In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 303. That's right. Uh, we're talking some super lats. <laughs> <laughs> now, now available everywhere. Fine stores everywhere. Uh, when you're running down the hall and you're <laughs> I don't feel anything fall, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no, so we're talking those issues uh, in DC Comics recently where Green Lantern and Superman teamed up, where there was like five of them for some reason. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, Mark, what issues are we covering tonight specifically? We will be covering the a minute longer two-part arc that occurred in Superman 29 and 30. We will be covering Mind Games, Part 1 and 2, which were in Hal Jordan and the Core, 30 and 31. And Chad really wants to talk about Action Comics 992, as you know from the end of last episode. So we will be talking about that. As well. I don't, like, really want to I talk know, about but, it, like, but, <laughs> because it's, like, it takes – it's a Green Lantern Superman thing that takes so – that takes place so quickly after these issues came out. It's just like, ah, oh, what the hell, why not? Plus, it, it ties into an arc that I want to to read coming up in Action Comics. You and I both read The Oz Effect, so it's like, eh, what the hell? We're getting kind of... It does, it, it, is, it, is super, it does have Superman and, and Green Lantern, so I guess you put it all together, it does make... I guess it's appropriate to be in, included in this episode. Speaking of, are we going to talk about the Doomsday... Uh, clock thing on the show. I mean, definitely probably not going to review it. It's not a Green Lantern event, but do you think we're going to like mention it a little heavier since parts of our mythos may be tied into it in terms of what may or may not be affected and so on and so forth? Yeah, so should we, we, we? Yeah, we can talk. I mean, maybe not in this episode. Obviously, no, there's I only know, one issue of Doomsday Clock out. I know you didn't mean that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll do like a maybe like a halftime show. Maybe once we get through this. Six issues have been out. Maybe we can just talk about it with a little bit of detail. It doesn't necessarily, or though it could be, it doesn't necessarily have to be its own episode. But we could. But either way, we could maybe give a, a recap of of where we are through the first six parts, and then how we what we think of it thus far. I would be fine with that. Uh, it is really it's really hard to tell at the moment. You know, get a real vibe of entirely uh, not just where it's going, but how you know how we're gonna. How we think it's it worked? So. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm not. I was not. I was not overjoyed with the first issue. It was a decent read, but I certainly read better first issues of, of events by Jeff Johns that got me more pumped than that. Well, it's not just that. I feel like, uh, like, I have no problem saying it, so I'll say it. I don't really give a shit about Watchmen, and don't get me wrong. Like, I understand its importance and so on and so forth. I really understand what it means to the the history of comics and I've read it. So I understand its significance, the point it's trying to make and why that was a big deal at the time and so on and so forth. But quite honestly, Watchmen just doesn't do it for me. 
I'm not really invested in that world. So because that is such a heavy part of that first issue, it's just like, oh, uh-huh, okay, where's the DC stuff? <laughs> so I was really only invested in like the last page <laughs> of that one. So Superman having a nightmare. Yay. <laughs> well, it must have been something he ate. No. <laughs> if you could cook better, Lois, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> I need some super lap. And speaking of, what a segue. What a, what a segue for the one listener we have left. <laughs> Laurel's probably the only one left. No. <laughs> oh man! Well, well, so, for this episode, it'll be it would be two because we know Corwin will listen to this one too. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Uh, so uh, we're gonna go ahead and start off with Superman number twenty nine, a minute longer, part one. I am taking this one. Uh, it is written by Keith Champagne with pencils by Doug Monkey. Inks by Jamie Mendoza with Scott Hanna and Rob Hunter. Letters by Bob uh, Rob Lay. Colors by Will Quintana and Tony Avina. Cover by Ryan Sook. Variant cover by uh, Jorge Jimenez. Associate editor Jessica Chen. Group editor, hmm, who cares? And spe- <laughs> special th- special thanks to Pete Tomasi and Patrick Leeson. And Superman created by... Jerry Siegel with Joe Schuster by special arrangement with the Jerry Siegel family. Man, you, you were really going to town on that title page, man. That's right. <laughs> I'm so, if this was the old days when they had the fine print and stuff, you probably would read all that too. Like, the, like, like, like uh, where it was published and stuff like that. <laughs> Actually, that, that Ryan that Ryan cover holding the battery is really, really good. That is the, that's the regular cover, right? That, that should be the standard cover, yes. The yeah. variant cover is actually not really sphere-related at all. It's just Superman walking through a wall uh, that was just, I guess, just had a hole punched in it or something. What a a shitty variant cover. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because that cover doesn't even look like Ryan Sook's. I mean, I guess when you look at it long enough, it kind of looks like Ryan Sook's art. The hands, Mm -hmm. the the lack of detail in the hands actually kind of look like. But the face has a lot of detail for Ryan Sook's stuff. So that was kind of impressive. It's good. I mistook it for a... Uh, well, at, at first glance, I mistook it for a uh, Ethan Van Skyver so thing I, when I saw I, yep. it like very small online. Yep, so, so um, all right. So um, these issues have been out for a while, so I'm not going to go too in depth on the recap. But uh, we open up at the outside the future home of LexCor uh, Gardens. I'm assuming that's what those missing words are in there. Um, where a young man. Is on his phone playing, I guess, the DCU's version of Pokemon Go. I, I, except, figured, that, I figured that would make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> except uh, he is playing, I guess, in the DCU, they're catching members of the zoo crew, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, so he just caught Captain Carrot, and he's going inside to this abandoned building to uh, find some more little characters to catch on his phone. Um he stumbles across this little yellow being sitting on the floor. And I guess being a kid can't distinguish between augmented reality (laughs) and something that's physically on the floor in front of him that he's not holding his phone in front of to see. So he picks it up and then screams. And then we cut to two weeks later and see Superman flying above Metropolis. Um, He's worried. He's freaking out, but he knows he can't let that fear show. And the reason why he falls down. Uh, he uh, flies down in front of a group of worried parents, who are all missing their children. 
This has been happening for two weeks now, and every night another child goes missing. Um, we cut over to a little girl's house, and this kid that we saw at the very first uh, of everything, which we just refer to him as Z, because that's, I think his name's Zachariah, uh, but Superman calls him Z at one point, so I'll call him Z. Um, <clears throat> Z is standing at the, is perched on the uh, uh, foot of the bed, uh, wakes up the little girl. She says, if you don't get out of here, I'm going to scream. And he says, oh, I hope you do. Then uh, you can see what I do to parents, the parents of kids who scream. She says, go away, you're scaring me. He says, I know I am. That's the whole point, silly. Uh, Superman is uh, flying around uh, Metropolis trying to find signs of them. He uses uh, the kids who are missing. He uses his eyes, uh, both, I guess, x-ray slash heat vision combination thing to pick out various wavelengths. She's a yellow wavelength, which he got tipped off to because when he, he was speaking with the parents, Jimmy Olsen was there taking pictures, but he was like, he mentioned like everything I take is, seems to be yellow tinted for some reason. Um, so he sees this yellow wavelength and follows it because he sees the footprints of a child and they're too small to be an adult. It has to be a child and no child should be out this late. So he follows it. Finds Z, Zachariah, with the little girl, and then Zachariah knocks the shit out of Superman. Superman puts him on ice. Then the little girl uh, uh, goes up against Superman and knocks him out. Later on, Superman comes to, uh, flies up to the top of uh, the skyline of Metropolis, looks down, and sees that, uh, scans the whole city. Finds the yellow wavelength concentrated, goes down into an empty building, stumbles upon the building, goes inside a room, and there is Zachariah hovering in the middle of a giant, I don't know, spider web-ish thing of glowing fear web. The kids are all stuck in it, and it is very clear, if you haven't figured it out by this point, the kid is possessed by Parallax. <clears throat> all the kids are... In this web, their fear of, is being absorbed. Superman uh, says, you're going to release these children. I'm going taking you off planet where you can't hurt innocent kids again. Stop uh, quivering inside that little boy and face me, coward. Parallax says, coward, you see I'm not afraid, Superman. I am fear. Comes out, and that's when Superman uh, knows that it is Parallax in front of him. Uh, Parallax hits him. Superman uh, hits him with some uh, heat vision, uh, and he's talking through the kids at various points. He says, you are afraid, Kryptonian, for your son, for these children, for your city, so much fear. You're finally ready for parallax, and he tries to go into Superman. Superman grabs him and pulls him out of him. Uh, a minute longer, that's all it takes. I'm not afraid of you, parallax. Uh, the kids start chanting the Sinestro Corps Oath. Because they're all being drained, like really, they've all been drained, been drained this whole time. But all of a sudden, Parallax is sucking this fear even harder um, uh, into himself. Uh, so they're, you know, just essentially dying. Um, and he says, "Fine, you know, you can have me. Just leave the kids alone." Parallax goes into him. At last, this body's mine now. Nothing can hurt Parallax anymore. And then that's when we get he gets shot in the back and wrong. You have something that belongs to me, Superman. And we see Sinestro standing there. 
And next, Super Parallax versus Sinestro. Hmm. Now you think, do you really think it's the kid saying the oath more than Parallax? I don't know, because it's, it's not a trick. Yeah, I think it's Parallax it's, saying the oath, only because the kids are all talking at the same time this stuff is going on. But it could be in the mind, too. Sorry. Yeah, it could be in the mind. It's not attributed to any one person or a thing, so it's kind of hard to tell. Um, it took me a, a few read-throughs, or not really a few read-throughs, but I like paged back and forth trying to see who said Parallax. If Parallax said his own name or if Superman said it. I think I've, I think it's Superman saying it because at first I was like, "Why would Parallax announce himself? Doesn't Superman know who he is?" So like, yeah. So it, it, yeah, it's it it's, it's got to yeah, it's got to be Superman saying. It. <clears throat> Plus the uh, <laughs> he's not the, the 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 word balloon is a different color, and they actually at least they used the right font, which we'll, uh, the, the right Parallax font in this issue, which we'll get to quickly because they they don't. <laughs> Soon thereafter, in another issue in, we're covering tonight, it's like somebody drops the ball and they do not use the parallax font. When they... You gotta wonder if DC has uh, like some sort of a lettering program that they share with uh, all their letterers, um, and they have their own like drop-down fonts. Like when you're, you know, instead it's, instead of Helvetica New or whatever, it's. it's Parallax, bold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I wonder how all that works. Um, but yeah, so, what do you think? I thought, I, I mean, I, overall I like this issue, just like I overall I like this arc. I think, I think Superman was a little slow in the draw to figure out that it wasn't, that it probably wasn't Sinestro. Uh even the stuff with the kids would be borderline. Not that, not that we, not that it's beyond Sinestro <laughs> to do something shitty like that. But it. it but how would he do it? Yeah, like how would he, it, it, we've it, never seen him control other people. So I think, yeah, I think Superman should have been a little. He should have been a little quicker on the on the uptake there to figure out that maybe he was dealing with Parallax, not Sinestro. But. Right. Um, in terms of. In terms of the art, it felt initially when I read it because I was excited to read this story arc because I, you know, it's been a while since it's been out, but like I was excited to read it and I didn't notice it as much. But I feel like as smooth as the transition I thought was on a couple of additional read throughs and after giving it some time to kind of percolate, I feel like the art, the transition between the art was not as smooth. You could kind of tell because. You had the you had Doug Monkey, but you had different inkers, and you can tell there's a difference between the pages you see at the beginning of the book and the pages you see at the very end. That's true, and that which is interesting because you know the last episode we talk about what inkers do, <laughs> and you know sometimes it, you know they they get more blame than they really should, but in this case I feel like. I don't really. I don't want to say the art was bad on either or, but you can distinctly tell there's a difference. And the only difference that we can see based on the credit box is the inker. Yeah, you would think, uh, but you're yeah. right. There does seem to be a different, even a different vibe on, from the beginning to the end. So Superman is fairly consistent. Um, fairly, yeah. Yes. God, I hate those jagged teeth with parallax. The the big. The, you know, I, it's not the. It's not the. The big teeth that bothers me, it's the weirdly distorted, your face is ruined forever grin. 
that somehow it is like when Parallax goes into somebody, he like yanked unhinges their jaw and shit, and, <laughs> and like you th- you think there'd be some physical permanent damage when Parallax goes in and out of somebody, or when he's doing that stupid smile. Like, how does he transform their bodies, and then those changes? don't stay in effect after he leaves them. Like that makes like, I get the costume and everything because of the energy. It's the same energy as what creates the suits and stuff for the regular lanterns. It's just like, I don't know. The physical change is what irks me. I just hate those jagged teeth for the hosts. I've always hated it. I will always hate it. It just, and I hate, of course I hate it more when it's parallax how with the teeth, because I just kind of like, it just shits on the original parallax even more when you see that. But Sakuraya there. And that and that one panel, like right when you see all the kids in the spider web, I mean, he looks like, he looks like Alfred E. Newman possessed by the devil. (laughs) (laughs) What me worry? Yes. (laughs) That's what it looks like. Uh, except for the big, but uh, it is cool. They, they, they do have a nice gap in his teeth there, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like childlike, I yes. guess. <laughs> that, that I like. <laughs> Get a children of the corn vibe. But um, do you, so they don't really explicitly say it, but where he he's going after kids because he's weak and kids can generate the most fear, right? When they're scared. I think they that's have, a pretty as as good a theory as any. Okay. But, so, why, but why he's there, we have no – how he got there, how he, you know, how he's even still alive, we, those are all little cute little pieces of information it would have been nice to have, if, in the, if not this arc, the next arc that we're going to cover. But we don't get any of that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We, we get no whys here. No, and, and again, whys are somewhat important sometimes, people. <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, is there any other aspect of this you wanted to go over before we move on to the next uh, issue? Because um, I'm just paging through it here, and I'm yeah, not seeing anything exactly. No, the, the super parallax costume is cool. Not not overly original, but it's but it's cool. No, it's it's it's. I mean, it's it's essentially the Sinestro outfit, but just you know, changed to match Superman's yeah, pattern. It's, it's the common. It's your it's your typical parallax modified just with, but it's more like yeah it's more it's color scheme wise it seems it's very just similar to Sinestro's parallax just with the it would have been cool to see them put some effort into the symbol instead of just keeping the diamond but with the Sinestro yeah, symbol right. inside they, of it yeah, somehow merging yeah, somehow merging the S in the Sinestro symbol could have done something I'm not an artist I don't know how the hell it would work but you know there's got to be some way, right? So, I mean, you, you just think because I just think back to like during Blackest Night when we saw all those various uh, lanterns come back from the dead in the DCU and the way in which that black hand symbol was used, yeah, used and finely crafted for each individual one. You know, obviously with um, Black Lantern Batman, it was shit, but there was obviously a reason it was shit. Um, just because of that wasn't the real Batman or whatever. So, but there were several other examples during Blackest Night where it's just like, oh wow, that's cool the way they did that. So this just there's got to be some crafty way to merge those two symbols, the the S part of the diamond and and the Sinestro core symbol. Because we've seen it before when they did Cyborg Superman. 
Yeah, that's true. So maybe that binds their hands on some level because Cyborg Superman did it. They did it so exquisitely with Cyborg Superman using the Superman symbol, but yet making it making it somewhat like somewhat parallax like. So, so but that that that's when people I think people were putting a lot more effort into things like this. I think back then when it was new. <laughs> no. All right, man. Uh, I guess you want to take number thirty. Let's do number 30, uh, a minute longer part due. Uh, the Battle for Sinestro's Might is on the standard cover. I do like the standard cover. That's pretty neat. Um, <clears throat> it, it reminds me of another cover, though. I can't quite figure out which one it is. Uh, let me see here. There is some, It's almost like... I know we've seen covers like this before when we've had the, their arms crossing like that, which is... I just. Yeah, I, I get the same vibe. Like, I've seen this before, but... Uh, oh, 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 um, um... During uh, the was it New Guardians when uh, Kyle is on Quard with the Weaponer, there was a cover during that run that looks like this. Shit, I'm going to. You can look for it. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. That. I don't. That's. I don't think that's the one I'm thinking of. But that could. But that. But after a while, we know. There are covers that they just keep redoing and redoing and redoing, like how the cover of Red, Lant- Red Lanterns One was a knockoff of, of the cover we saw in, you know, Green Lantern and, and but Sinestro Corps during the Sinestro Corps War, and it seems like they always like use, using those group shots with the leader in action and everybody behind them that they've copied that cover like a gazillion times. So, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> New Guardians. It was uh, Green Lantern Corps towards the end before the. The whole lost. Uh, it was in the, the 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 new fifty two version of Green Lantern Corps. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Or it might have been at the very tail end of the Johns era. Shit. But there was there is there is a cover that this that this reminds me of. The hmm, it's definitely during the Quard arc. But you you go ahead and review. I'm looking. I got. I've got my entire archive here. I just it takes a minute to load. I, I was, among other things, yes. And I Sinestro, I mean Sinestro. Parallax looks different, but he looks pretty awesome on the cover of that standard cover. As soon as I see it, I'll take a picture of it and send it to you in the chat. But yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, but it's yeah, that he he kind of looks like I don't know, it's just something really impressive about Sinestro, about Parallax on that cover. He doesn't quite I mean, I don't know, he looks a little more contemplative than usual. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so part two is technically titled Hopes and Fears, written by Keith Champagne, ed by Art Bennis, Tyler Kirkham, and Philip Tan. Uh, letters by Rob Lee, colors by Ribeiro, Moray, and, and Go. Uh, Doug Monkey did the cover with Jamie Mendoza and Will Quintana. Jorge Jimenez and Alejandro Sanchez did the variant cover. Jessica Chan, associate editor. Uh, Eddie Berganza for a few... <laughs> for a minute longer. <laughs> As the group editor, um, so the, the issue begins where we left off with with Super Parallax choking Sinestro, going, "I now control Superman," and you know, as you once foolishly controlled me, you know, fear will always seep out through even the tiniest cracks, you know, in a wall of courage. And you know, Sinestro pretty much is on the receiving end pretty well at this point, and 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 Super Parallax is really cocky. It's like I no longer see the arrogance shining in your eyes, Corgorian, only terror. And then we hear a big, you know. Kakroom, and a big crater appears, and uh, and super, you know, super parallax is like savor these final moments. 
No, it's like uh, just basically before you die, just re- you know, just remember that you were that you were nothing compared to Parallax. <laughs> and Sinestro's kind of like you know, shut up, Parallax. You're even more insufferable than Jordan. There's a big flash, and we basically find out at that moment that Sinestro and Superman have been transported to Quard because Sinestro always has a backup plan. Um, <clears throat> of course, Sinestro is even though the, the Cordians did what he. But they said they were going to do on what Sinestro made them do. Nothing ever makes Sinestro happy. He just kind of jumps in. You are too late. Strike him down, fools. And the wep- you know, the weaponers of Quard begin to take aim. And the, the, actually, some of the art on this page is pretty crappy. Uh, Superman, you know, Superman shoots out with, you know, uses his breath to take out some of the, the Cordians before he gets hit. And then he kind of gets it somewhat, somewhat incapacitated. And then Par- uh, uh, Sinestro takes him down. And he goes, uh... You know, it's like, welcome back to Quard, Parallax, and as the Earthers like to say, there's no place like home. And they take him down to the core of Parallax, of, of uh, Quard, excuse me, they take Parallax down there, and, and Superman, Superman's kind of like all wrapped up with this, uh, this tentacle-looking thing, this beast, and the core, and the frozen core, to be precise, of Quard. And, uh, <clears throat> Sinestro kind of keeps... And now he looks like Superman now. I mean, you don't see Parallax inside Superman at the moment, and the kind of, we kind of get explanations for this. This is almost this is almost like the thing <laughs> as this issue plays out. Like, where, where's Parallax? Who's he in? <laughs> Which I have problems with, but yeah, we'll get yeah. There. And, it, and it factors in not only to the end of this, but the big first issue of the next arc too, as in just a way that that's able to happen without any visuals, without no one knowing it, especially. Sinestro, Sinestro senses it by actions and words, but you don't. But you don't see it. Uh, Sinestro kind of points out to Superman and assume and, par- and we assume Parallax that you know pretty much you'd be wise to conserve your energy. You know because we're bar- you know because there are no yellow suns around here. Plus you're you know you're buried so far underground that more or less you're going to start using up your uh, your energy reserves. Uh, the we get a nice Borg line with the struggling is futile there, a variation on that. And Sinestro, Sinestro essentially is playing playing games here with both Parallax and Superman, mostly Parallax. That because uh, as, as Sinestro like, claims, like I'm here to save the day. <laughs> yeah, because all he really wants, he wants to pull Parallax out and get and use Parallax to help bring back the, his core and probably recharge himself at the same time. And Sinestro's basic. You know his his psychological approach to this. More or less, he has to he you know he has to expose the terrors essentially in Superman to expose you know to drive Parallax out. And we have this cool double double splash page of essentially we get all some of the deep seated fears Superman has, which basically we revolve all around things that he can't control and things that he he's unable to that. Uh, he's worried about his son and, and his son being, you know, treated as an outsider and being made fun of. He's worried about Superman him arriving too late to save people. He's worried about Lois Lane being terminally ill and Superman can't do anything about that. And and all these things. There's the uh, like this, but this Batman kind of like Batman becomes Doomsday, which is kind of a weird friggin' thing. Uh, which we know we'll have to see at some point now. <laughs> we kind of are. There is during DC Metal. I can't remember the name of this particular Batman. The same way you know, the Green Lantern one is the Dawnbreaker. One of them is Batman Doomsday. Essentially, it's uh, Batman somehow made a 
doomsday serum in this, you know, negative multiverse universe that this particular Batman's a part of and injected himself with it. So it's like a bat doomsday sort of scenario. So it's, I mean, it's obviously what Superman is seeing in his head, what he's afraid of isn't the same thing, but it's interesting because there is that sort of a creature happening kind of currently. So that is true. So, uh, <clears throat> we have, uh, basically the next page shows like John more or less like going rogue and being out of control and Superman being, you know, Superman kind of like being forced to confront him and also forced to confront with, I guess, his failings, his failings as a father, not being there for him, always being off, doing the right thing, trying to save all those people he was afraid he couldn't save, but yet in the process kind of like ignoring his son, um, Superman kind of like snaps out of it, and, and he goes, you know, he goes, like, you know, what's supposed to happen now? You know, Parallax is supposed to come crawling out your nostrils, and it's like, uh, I told you, it doesn't live here anymore. And of course, Sinestro, you know, Sinestro doesn't really buy buy into it, and he starts creating like this this whip, and he's kind of like pretty much start start you know, flaying uh, Superman, and you know, Lissa comes, Lissa Drax, who's who's over here, she kind of like stops him, and it's like, uh, you know. This isn't the way to approach this. Essentially, Parallax is afraid of you. So the more you, you know, the more you beat Superman, the more Parallax is going to be, you know bury itself inside the host. So you know, that's not the way to the work. It, it's going to work to get him out. If you want to get him out, more or less, you more you have to draw him out by being like an open book. You have to, you know, b- remove your ring and make yourself vulnerable. And that's how you know Parallax that'll draw him out. Sinestro, you know, reacts like, oh, it's it's disappointing that Parallax took you over so quickly, and he encases her in like a, a yellow energy sphere, and you know, he kind of he kind of like throws out. On some level, you kind of know it's probably not something Sinestro is really going to do, but it's Sinestro, so he would consider it the idea of crushing, you know, you know, Lissa Lysa's bones to powder to try to get, you know, to drive Parallax out of her. He gets hit with a with a accordion lightning bolt in the back of his head, and now, and it's almost like, I mean, not that Sinestro's really wrong in some of the way he's reacting to this, but it's almost like he's so obsessed that Parallax is in everything, it's like, oh yeah, that's him, yeah, that's him, <laughs> it's like, pathetic, you've chosen a weaponer to hide in, you know, running will not save you, now we find out, though, of course, he's dead on about the, the weaponer, because we, we get the yellow Parallax font, it's like, I'm part of every living thing, it's like, you cannot stop me, you will not contain me ever again, and more, and at this moment, Sinestro doesn't. <laughs> Sinestro gives no. Insert the F word here. <laughs> and he's pretty much about to kill the Cordian, but Superman uses uh, some heat vision. He shoots that out to block him to prevent him from doing that, which has a big effect on the uh, the Cordian. It's kind of like you saved me from Sinestro. And Superman's, you'll hurt, you know, you'll hurt these people over my dead body. And Sinestro is being Sinestro. It's like all things in due time, Kryptonian. But after Parallax is secure. Meanwhile, at this point, we actually physically see Parallax escaping from that the Cordian that Sinestro almost killed. He hops, skips, and jumps through Cordian's galore. Sinestro's like, your games are beginning to bore me. Uh, Par- uh, Parallax tries to run away. And, you know, Sinestro being Sinestro is like, it is your destiny to serve me, yada, yada. And it's like, uh, it's like I've wounded it maggots as he speaks to the Cordians. Like, don't now chase it to the ground. And Lysa's like, you know, what are we going to do about Superman? It's like his powers will fade and he will die. Just leave him here at the center of Quard. Like, I like this part. Like Jordan, he has the power to change the universe, but none of the will. His death is no loss. Let's go. 
<laughs> and Superman's like, well, that's certainly one point of view. <laughs> and he uses his uh, heat vision to to burn away the uh, the fear creature thing that that was encasing him. Uh, meanwhile, yeah, you know, hours later on the surface of Quad, boy, Par- Parallax looks horrible. He looks like friggin' Yoda on this page. Sinestro's fighting fighting Parallax, and you know you could tell that Sinestro is is kind of like running on empty here that he's be- that he's really fatigued. It's like it doesn't matter how long it's going to take, you know, you know, this, there's only one way it's going to end, you know, Parallax, you know, with with, with you broken by my force of will. Uh, Sinestro kind of like fades out for a second, and Superman grabs him, and it's like, you know, stubbornness must be common with you lanterns. And it's like, you're still hurt from your last battle with Hal, which was in the uh, Sinestro's Law arc. It's like, but you're giving me a means to end this. And we don't know what he means entirely at first, because we just see Superman with both his, his fists clenched. It's like, as for you, Parallax, you are terrifying, I'll give you that. But, you know, but I'm not afraid of you, do your worst. Hold on one second, I have to cough. <coughs> Excuse me. It's like, you don't seem to understand, Parallax. Maybe you can't by the nature of what you are. But being afraid is part is part of being alive. It's like, uh, it's like, it's like, people will always find a way to surprise you, but there's so much more than terror in our hearts. There's also joy and love and hope. And we see that basically what was in super, one of Superman's hands when his fists were clenched was Sinestro's ring. He took it off Sinestro's finger. He uses Sinestro's ring to draw Parallax into it. And a lo- and he makes a comment, I know you're scared right now, Parallax, but you know, you'll know you be safe inside this ring. I promise I won't let Sinestro use you again. And he announces that his plan is to take you know give the ring to Hal Jordan to deliver to Mogo because the Green Lanterns are better equipped to take care of you there. Ha ha ha. We know that's really not true, but <laughs> meanwhile, Sinestro looks like he was hit by a Mack truck, and you know, he's kind of like regaining consciousness and he's like, uh, <laughs> he's on the ground, basically, he's completely out of it, but, but, but it's Sinestro, so he still has time to threaten Superman. He's like, my ring, give it back, I'm not going to ask again. And it's like, I'd like to see you take it. Meanwhile, all the Cordians are kind of watching this. And Superman's eyes kind of light up as his heat vision starts crackling to life. And he goes, I would choose my my next move very carefully. And Sinestro threatens Superman. He's like, you will come to fear this day that you, you know, the enemy that you've made. Uh, and he goes, like, you know, Lissa, Drac, let us depart. And they disappear. And Superman's kind of like, whatever helps you sleep at night. About the threat. Superman talks to the Weaponers Accord and tells them that, you know, I know he was bullying you and you did what you need. You obeyed Sinestro out of fear, but you just saw Sinestro pretty much run away. So maybe this is a golden opportunity, no pun intended, to reevaluate maybe your your priorities and the fact that you don't necessarily have, that you have a choice. You don't necessarily have to basically be puppets for Sinestro. And Superman directly talks to the the, uh, Weaponer that he saved down in the heart of the core of Quard, and he basically says, hey, you know, those bolts of yours, besides being used as a weapons, you can use them as a means of transportation, right? And before and he asks him, you know, hit me full force right in the chest, because he's going to use this to get back home, and he just asks him basically to just, you know, think over what I said. And the issue ends with Superman returning home to finding, to seeing his son John sleeping, and Lois comforting him, and and that's, that's pretty much it for, at least as far as the this arc goes certainly lantern related arc. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah, not a fan of the <laughs> what I call the uh, 
mumbles uh, <laughs> the mumbles parallax face. You, do you remember? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Dick Tracy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he does kind of look like the, you're right. He looks like that too, but he and he does look he does kind of look Yoda like too. Yeah, he looks Yoda like. Yeah, I, I get that, but like, I I still remember I, I had a random uh, I, I want to say trade paperback of, of of Dick Tracy, and it was a mumbles, a primarily mumbles <laughs> story arc. So that's really the only uh, really the only Dick Tracy quote unquote villain that I'm familiar with. So whenever I see that squished down face like that, uh, <laughs> it reminds me of mumbles. So it's like, oh, okay. maybe a little, maybe a little war from Star Trek, the next generation too. <laughs> Especially with the, uh, with the ridge on his nose or going down to his nose. Okay. So, so I guess I got to ask. So when we were divvy, uh, figuring out who was covering what, Mark said he wanted this issue and uh, the first issue of the How and the Core uh, story arc we're going to cover here in a minute. Why did you want this issue? What did you like more about this than the the one I reviewed? Now, mind you, once I reread these before we recorded tonight, I kind of I didn't I never disliked the first issue of this arc, but I thought it was a it was a lot of smoke and mirrors to get to to what needed to get done, and I understood I understand why it was done, but so I think I like I like this issue more just because number one it has Sinestro in it, and because because you because I I like this issue because you get you you get a glimpse into the dy- the, the the dynamic that exists now, which kind of makes you wonder how long it has existed between Sinestro and Parallax, because obviously they seemingly are are, are are no longer simpatico. <laughs> well, at one point they were, and they were in cahoots. And maybe at one point, like going back to even uh, Emerald Twilight days, where Sinestro, or maybe Parallax, is more or less pulling, actually pulling the strings more than Sinestro, uh, other than Sinestro like pointing him in the direction of how Jordan is a host. But, but I, I, hmm. I like, I do like the fact that we have, because it's understandable that par- that. If there's one underlying fear that Parallax himself has at this point, it's the fear of being controlled, manipulated, and outright hurt by Sinestro again. So him seeking out Superman also wasn't by accident because he figured Superman was going to be a strong enough host where he wouldn't have to be afraid of anything anymore. Hmm. So I, I did like all that. I like that concept. I like the fact that Superman picked up on that. And even though, you know, obviously there are lots of reasons not to give a rat's ass about Parallax, Superman being Superman was trying to make it clear that, you know, I'm kind of doing this for your own good in a way. And I'm going to and I and I more I promise you that, I'm, you know, Sinestro is not going to you know use you and manipulate you the way he's done before. So I, I did like that aspect of it. I also like the fact that I like seeing a, a vulnerable Sinestro, which uh, I. I'm sure that there will be hell to pay for this at some one point, especially for Superman. <laughs> but I did like that that we actually got to see Sinestro blink because he literally had no choice. Um, and on a negative side, like like we alluded to a few minutes ago, the fact that we get no explanation for why Parallax is even still alive, let alone why he was on Earth. Since I, I mean, I, when we went back to the Sinestro's law, we, you and I talked about it. I never thought the Sinestro, that Parallax was really dead. Uh, I thought he may have drained him almost to the brink of being dead, or he could have been almost like 
broken down to almost like a fear seed, like the raid seed that had to be planted again. That that he was broken down to the to the you know to a bare and minimal, which theoretically could have it could be what happened. He could have been really really small, and then his little bit of fear got to him over time. Then he slowly started getting back kind of to what he was. But not not having an explanation vet for that really kind of stinks because it does come out of left field. And if you were reading the Sinestro's Law arc, you know that it didn't make a lot of sense why to bring him back without kind of telling us how. Um, you know, to go back to what you were saying about, you know, the things you liked about this arc and the Sinestro side of things. I agree with all your points, but you, a, a point you didn't mention, which I think is also cool, is just that I just thought of since you brought it up. Um, this actually shows you how powerful Sinestro is and how um, – not currently, obviously he's weak, but like how powerful and how much of a command he has on fear because now literally fear itself is scared of pair of Sinestro. That is true. That is true. So for, for all of, you know, Sinestro's weakness in this story arc, you are told that as I mean, it's, it's not outright said, but it is, it's, it's there parallax is scared of sinestro which means <laughs> the being made of pure fear fears something and that something is sinestro so that's there's something to be said for that i think that is true that is that is a a good point it's definitely a good point to pick up on and just the fact that even a weakened and beaten down sinestro still you know the cordians just shaking their boots and and he's and that Sinestro's always, he's always got a plan. So, which is, you know. He, he does, he does have a plan, um, kind of. But you get the feeling that it's a very haphazard plan because he's hes not really doing anything in this particular part of the story. You know, the same way we, when we were commenting on, like, how he's like, oh, you're in Lysa, oh, you're in Superman. Like, he doesn't know what the hell's going on. He clearly has some holes in his plan here. Well, he always does too. That's part of. That is also well, part of Sinestro. <laughs> that's that's true. It's just that you can you get this feeling of uh, uncertainty and desperation off of him in this particular story arc. And it's kind of and it's and it's also just to me. I thought it was just odd or weird to be in a position where you're kind of rooting for Parallax. <laughs> Where he not getting, for, not at least in my story, uh, not at least in, in my. Uh, oh no, not in your uh, part. issue. But, for over, sure. but overall, I mean, in this, especially in this issue, that Sinestro is. I mean, that compared to, to that compared to Sinestro, Parallax is like the lesser of two evils. It seems at the moment, at least short term. Yeah, but they're both weak, which is interesting because it's almost like a a battle of equals between the two, but both equals are not at full strength. <laughs> right. So that was kind of odd to see. This, the two of them struggling against one another, but almost like almost like two individuals who are so exhausted that instead of throwing punches, they're just sort of like swiping at each other's faces drunkenly. <laughs> Barely even making contact. It'd be, so it'll be. It would kind of like be like Rocky, Rocky Fifteen, but Club Run Rocky going at it one last time <laughs> from their hey, wheelchairs. Hey, yo, I'm gonna get you this time. <laughs> God, I haven't seen Rocky in a long time. You know what's funny? 
They're all I free on Amazon mentioned- Prime right now, by the way, except for except for Rocky Balboa, which really annoyed me. All of them, including Creed, are free right now, but not Rocky Balboa. It's like why? Rocky's. I want to have to rewatch the original Rocky because I feel like that's one of those mo- movie franchises that might have been the the intent or something might have been ruined. No, nah, maybe not because. It was. I, I think I mentioned this on the show when it happened, but it was like a year ago or so. I saw Rambo for the first time, the original one, and I'm watching that, going, "Oh, they made this weird action franchise out of that." Yeah, it was yes. Yeah, that's was, they definitely branched off in a in a more uh, in a different be, direction. Because that was a more, the original Rambo. It was not what I expected. Yeah, it was a good action flick and so on and so forth, but it was very clearly making a point about like PTSD and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, that's what they turned this, like, really, you know, loud, powerful message into? This action franchise? That's weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I kind of don't want to see the other Rambo movies because I think it's going to ruin the intent of the first one. <laughs> so I wonder if other franchises are like that, that we've just seen so many sequels out of it. It's just like... Wow, the original's kind of ruined because of it. <laughs> I would say realistically, if you're gonna, this is this is a this is a, a tangent, but since this episode is not going to be overly long, I don't feel bad about going down that road. <laughs> uh, uh, from a, looking at what r- really made the character and or, I think Rocky One and Rocky Two are very. I mean, in and you hear Stallone talk about it, and I and I believe St- Stallone talking about this more than, let's say, Lucas talking about Star Wars, about his plan, that in his mind's eye, he kind of saw, in a way, he kind of always saw Rocky and Rocky II as basically one long movie, which I can understand, mm. and it kind of makes sense. Uh, I really like, I've always really, really liked Rocky Three because of the message behind Rocky Three, because of the, which, because Rocky Three was, compl- Rocky Three was born for people that don't know any anything about you know kind of like Stallone's vision of Rocky, Rocky Four was originally what he thought Rocky Three was going to be because he kind of always envisioned his fight against the Russian, though he saw it like in the Roman Coliseum kind of thing. That's what that's what his idea for Rocky Three was was going to be, but because of what happened to Stallone in real life about being going you know going having that instant fame and the fact that we're always conditioned how to deal with failure, but we're not conditioned how to deal with success. And how success changes you, and how that if you're not careful, that you can forget what it took to get you to get to really what makes you tick and what got you to be successful in the first place. That that because of his own experiences in real life, that's what created Rocky Three. So I liked, I always liked the message behind that, and so I re, and so I, I have always liked Rocky Three. I th- I really, and plus it changed obviously the Apollo Rocky dynamic changed forever in Rocky Three. Rocky Four is highly watchable, but it's but it's, but Rocky Four doesn't really as much as Rocky Five's hated, and I understand why, especially with the, some of the choices they made in that movie. Thematically, Rocky Four is really the one that doesn't really belong. Rocky Four is all about revenge. Rocky Four is shot like one big music video. Even the way the movie begins isn't like any of the others. It doesn't have the doesn't have any of the uh, the Bill Conti music and the fanfare from Rocky playing with the Rocky letters going across. So Rocky Four, in a lot of ways, is the one that doesn't really belong. So I think Ro- if they had just stopped one through three, I think that would have been super successful. 
Rocky Four is is highly watchable, but I I don't think it, the message behind it isn't. I mean, even the whole little change speech at the end, I don't think changes that much to me. No pun intended. Rocky Five would have been fine if they didn't make him friggin' brain damage, so he lo- and he lost all his money. I mean, that was a bad stylistic choice. And here's an example for people, since since we talk about this quite often on the show, and I will reel, reel it back in. Don't worry, Chad. No, I was gonna say Creed. I hear Creed is oh, amazing. Creed is really good. I'm getting the okay. Creed too. But the thing that about some for people don't, for people who just love bashing studios and how they always get it wrong, Rocky. Stallone was planning on killing Rocky at the end of Rocky V. He was supposed to die at the end of that street fight with Tommy. So just imagine if that had happened, <laughs> and how and and the, and the apps and as bad a taste as Rocky V still leaves in people's mouths, but yet it's been kind of like washed away because of Rocky Balboa and because of Creed, and probably because of Creed too. That would have been the final. <laughs> that would have been the final movie we ever would have gotten with Rocky in it, and that. So that was an example of the studio stepping in and saying, "No, that's a bad idea." Just like I think it was the. I think it. I think it was the studio that wanted that stepped in and prevented him from killing Rambo at the end of First Blood. I think because I know they filmed that ending. They. I don't know if they. I don't think they filmed the Rocky. I don't know if they filmed the Rocky dying ending of Rocky Five, but they absolutely filmed this. The ending of of Rambo killing himself at the end of First Blood, so I think it was the studio that stepped in and said no to that too. So see, the studio when they make changes don't always make changes for the worst. But because of because of Rocky Balboa and because of Creed, which I think do recapture a lot of the essence, especially Rocky Balboa. Rocky Balboa was perfect. If they had not done Creed, that was a great way to revisit the character one more time and about what made the character tick. So I think other than maybe Rocky Four and Rocky Five, the essence of what made that character in that series really still holds true, and I think that's why people really still like those movies. Creed is similar, and I like the idea of passing it on, and, and it's appropriate that, he, that he's passing it on to his best to his best friend's son. But yeah, if you haven't seen, so which Rocky movies have you watched? Uh, I've seen the original Rocky. I. Th- I think I've seen Rocky three, and I think I've seen maybe parts of others, but I don't, I can't, I don't know for sure. I know for absolute certain I've seen two of them, but I, one of them being the first Rocky, I don't remember what the other one was. Who is he fighting in Rocky two versus Rocky three? Rocky two is a rematch with Apollo. Okay. Rocky three. Rocky three is Clubber. Rocky four is Drago. Rocky. Is 5, there a Russian dude that he fights? That's Drago. That's Dolph okay. Lundgren. Rocky four. Okay, so that's what I've seen. I've seen Rocky one and I've seen Rocky four. Okay. So those would, are the ones I've seen. I would definitely, re- I would definitely recommend watching two and two and three. Um, two is very similar to the first one from, that it's very character driven. And to me, of all the, I mean, all almost every every movie has a cool training montage. I mean, I mean, Creed isn't as good because then again, if based on where it takes place and what's going on, it kind of makes sense. It's going to be somewhat limited. I think personally, I think the Rocky II training montage is the best because it's kind of like twofold. I mean, once once he gets motivated to actually go in and work hard, and if, I don't want to ruin it for you if you haven't seen it. Hold on, got a cough. <coughs> That once he gets motivated again, 
then you have the, the main training montage, and that's and then you then you have them running through the streets again, and that's that's just a great scene. Both those montages. Huh. So, yeah, I'd recommend watching them all. That's a good thing to binge watch. <coughs> Let's see. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, uh, I guess Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> yeah. Moving me, on from the tangent. <laughs> yeah, give me one second to get a to drink again. Oh, and uh, I, I sent Mark uh, in our chat. I sent him a cover. I was right. It's it's literally <coughs> the last issue of uh, the Jeff Johns quote unquote run of Green Lantern before the New Fifty Two. Uh, it's the last issue of Green Lantern Corps. Um, it's part of the Brightest Day arc. It's. Uh, Green Lantern Corps 54. That's the cover I was thinking of that matches. Yeah, that cover is similar. I still think there might be another one. There's, I, but there's no. I would say there's no doubt you were correct that that's definitely an homage to that just because where the weapon or cord with, who is his like White Lantern shield or whatever that was going on at that time. That uh, he's, Yeah, because uh, what had happened, for those of you who forgot, uh, Dead Man got sucked into the antimatter universe where uh, where the anti-monitor was, and he fell and made himself a construct net out of White Lantern energy and somehow got out of the Quartian universe, but that net was left behind, and then the Weaponer found it and made it a part of his shield. That's what that was. Yeah, I, lo- I liked, I liked the, that Weaponer of Quar. He was pretty cool. For sure, it's part of the team for a little bit. Yeah, and I think the uh, if I remember correctly, I think he's uh, I think he's one of those hero clicks figures that actually existed. For, I think he w- was a Yellow Lantern, and I think they had another one that's but say the same version, like that was a same figure, like as a White Lantern. I think. Hmm. <clears throat> All right. All right, Hal Hal Jordan. Let's do Hal Jordan. Hopefully, I'll make it through this. I may have to get a cough <laughs> drop. Um, You're the one that wanted to do two back to back. Well, I didn't. Sh- I it just happened to be the two issues I chose. <laughs> hey, it's like it, it's it's Rocky that did me in, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, you know, you got you got to do these issues. You got to do them. <laughs> uh, Mind Games Part One. Uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps with the pretty the standard cover is Superman, Man of Fear, which is Ethan Van Skyver. <laughs> uh, the Super Parallax. Holding Hal Jordan's ring arm up and holding a, a Sinestro Core power battery, and good old Hector Hammond on the background or on the side, which just kind of ruined part. <laughs> if you were looking for a surprise, and it kind of ruins part of it. <laughs> um, spoiler alert! Um, so, Rude Awakening is part one. Robert Venditti, Patrick Zercher is the artist in the actual issue. Jason Wright colorist, Dave Sharp letters, Van Skyver did the cover along with Wright. Variant cover, uh, Barry Kitson and Hi-Fi, Andrew Marino, Mike Cotton, and Eddie Braganza remain the editors. We have Space Sector 2814, and uh, basically Hal Jordan arrives home, and we that's that's what's happening now. Now we know in a flat uh, in the in the recent past, John pretty much announces that he's got a he's got a mission to Earth. Just came up on the board, and you got some cute little banter between Kyle and. And Guy, especially as the old—I mean, Hal's jockeying for the job too, but Hal's more jockeying for it because it's like, "Hey, it's me," <laughs> and and Kyle and Guy more or less are pleading the cases for why they should be—they should be allowed, you know, to to go to Earth. Excuse me for this assignment. Um, 
I, I like the way John kind of like teases here. It's like, a, I already made my decision. Kyle, you ready to get back on duty? And Kyle's like, yeah! He's like, I can't wait to taste those L.A. street dogs, which is funny since he was in New York most of the time. But uh, Kyle, but he goes, oh, yeah, good. So if you're, if you're ready, report to Salak and, <laughs> and Salak and resume your honor guard duty. And, of course, that makes Guy real fun, makes him laugh. It's like, Ah, look at you, loser! I'll bring you back some crab chips. It's like, hey, guy, when you when you're kind of like done laughing and gloating, you can go join him. It's like, oh, come on, man! And and, and Kyle's like, oh, don't say it, don't say it. I think they really, need, to me, it, it, this rival, this Hal Kyle rivalry thing, just kind of really bugs me. Yeah, it needs to stop. Yeah, it, it really. But it, 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 they at least they make it playful here. Yes, it, it is playful here, and I was I was going to say that that was a good add in. But yeah, it's it's been a constant since since he came since he came back as a green certainly, and even bef- kind of before that too. Ever since Vin, basically since Vin Diddy's been writing him, this has been an ongoing thing, and it doesn't. I don't think it really does a good. It doesn't reflect well on Kyle because it makes him look like a like a, like a little child here. That oh, he looks petty. Yeah, he looks petty. When again, if you want to be honest, it's 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 Hal who should be pissed at Kyle considering everything that was, went on with Carol. So I think. You know, when when you're making Hal look mature, then you know you're doing something wrong. <laughs> uh, so so John pretty much tells Hal you're up, and then he explains. You know, with all the jockeying here, nobody bothered to to ask like uh, <clears throat> what the mission was. And this is when John kind of lays out the fact that uh, more or less the, the rumors of Sinestro's demise may have been greatly <laughs> exaggerated. Plus, you know. Because of the, the the person who's reporting this, you have the most history with that with that witness, and it turns out, of course, that's Superman. I'm not really thrilled with the art in this issue. Um, so we have Superman and Hal meeting above Metropolis, and they kind of chit chat for a few about and, and try to play catch up with what's going on. And you know, Hal asks kind of like a dumb question. It's like, are, are you absolutely certain it was Sinestro? It's like. I think he knows what Sinestro looks like. Um, and he goes, you know that brings up. I'm sorry to interrupt. This no, brings I mean, up a I'm, good. I'm ad libbing, so you might as well say, say that's the way this issue is going to be. I think so. Go ahead. This brings up a good question. I, I guess in in Hal's new rebirth slash new fifty two continuity, he should know that Sinestro should know. I uh, know that Sinestro. That Superman should know who Parallax is. But does Hal know what happened to Superman? How this is the Superman from the New 52, or from uh, pre-New 52, sort of merged with the New 52? I doubt it. He doesn't know any of what's happened to Superman? Because because, um, Supes mentions John and Lois, and before, Superman didn't have a son. So, like... He mentions John and Lois like Hal knows who they are. So how much does Hal know about who this Superman is? And how much has this Superman told him or even the rest of the Justice League, any one of the rest of the Justice League members, maybe all of them, maybe only one or two of them, I don't know. How much has Superman shared about the history none of them can remember? Well, I think that's I think that's part of it too. I think when they got merged back together, it kind of it it didn't just resolve the issues for Superman himself. I think it resolved the issues for for the way people were perceiving them too. I think 
I thought. It's been a while since I read that arc. But that so that so that could possibly explain some of it. That now that things that seem like anomalies or potential anomalies now it just seems like it's the way it should be because everything's the pieces have been put back together and that's how people see it. As but um, yeah, yeah. All right, go ahead. I was just like curious no, how that all worked. <clears throat> all right, so, so Superman picks up the conversation. Yeah, I know what's I've crossed paths with him enough to know that it was Sinestro. And it, oh, it turned out they know. He talks about the missing kids, and it's like, oh, but it turned out that there was Parallax behind it. And then Hal's like, Parallax? The fear entity? Now, originally I was going to rip into this part of it, like, a, like, like, like Parallax, like, a, no, like, like the shoe salesman down the street. But, based on Hal's history of dealing with his, his ver the, the Hal version of Parallax here and there, I'll cut him a little bit of slack in that kind of reaction to make it sure, like, you don't mean, like, me, right? You mean the fear entity. So I think that reaction is somewhat plausible. And and Sinestro, uh, Superman's like, oh, yeah, one in the same. I let I like the way he just randomly throws this out. I let Parallax possess me to protect the kids. And, you know, and then Sinestro showed up, and he, out of nowhere, he wanted Parallax back. We went to Quard, yada, yada. It's like, uh... I, w I was able to take take Sinestro's ring from him and capture Parallax in the ring, and Hal's like, you really know this sounds really crazy, don't you? Which on one level really shouldn't to Hal when you really think about it. But it's like, uh, and I think Hal was more stunned by the fact that Sinestro was, un unable, was unable to hold on to the ring, and more or less, you know, it's because, you know, Sinestro was just beaten down. He's not in, you know, the damage from his last fight with Hal put him in a vulnerable state. He's down, not out. <laughs> oh yeah, that's 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 some that sums up uh, Sinestro quite well. He's always down, but not out. Now this part is is kind of sketchy to me too. Uh, Hal just runs a little ring scan on the Sinestro core ring, and, and is somehow supposedly he's able to figure out immediately, 100%, without any margin of error, the parallax is not inside the ring anymore. And Superman's like, that's impossible. I saw it with my own eyes. It's like I'm telling you, parallax isn't there. And Hal's like, ah, you know, the Corps will investigate this. You know, I'll, I'll notify, you know, the headquarters that, about Sinestro's last location was in Quard. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going <clears> to <throat> store this ring in a pocket universe until I get back to Mogo. <laughs> should we take bets? I don't know. Maybe, should we take bets on whether this thing's ever really getting to Mogo <laughs> in one piece? Um, um, maybe. Maybe. Um, but it could. But if it does, oh, I don't understand why he didn't just send it through. <laughs> Especially given what we'll talk about when we get to action comics. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, yeah. So we got the pocket yeah. universe established. The Sinestro's ring gets sent there. And now, because they had talked earlier about more or less wrapping this stuff about, up about, you know, Parallax, Sinestro, so they could go get a bite to eat. All of a sudden, we have a little word bubble. Hal, help me! And, of course, it's a Hector Hammond bubble. So, uh, you're a hero! <laughs> And Hal's, you know, he's not able to figure out that it's not coming from just inside his head. He thinks uh, Superman's talking to him. And Superman's like, Hal, you feeling okay? And it's like, you don't hear that voice. And all of a sudden he gets this, you know, he gets this blinding pain through his head. Like, please, he hears, you have to help me. And then all of a sudden Hal opens his eyes again. And it's like, now we see in the, in the parallax font, you've discovered my secret, Hal. And we see... Uh, Super Parallax back, even though I kind of like the fact that he didn't. Did he have the yellow streaks? Uh, I, I mean the white don't streaks. Excuse think... me. I don't think so either. 
Yeah, I I don't know if we do we see him clear enough other I'm, than the cover. I'm trying to I'm trying to look. Th- I'm looking at the end of at the end of 29. It does not look like he has white streaks in his hair in a minute longer. I'm I'm flipping I'm flipping through now to see if I can notice it, which is actually which is actually a because you see yellow energy coming off of Superman's head on the beginning of uh, issue 30, but I don't necessarily think that's white. Um, I don't think, I don't think Super Parallax has the white streak in his hair, which he should have. So that's that's a nice, that's a nice pickup slash correction in this issue. Now this this is the splash page, which ruins the Parallax font. It's like what the hell? <laughs> what were they drinking when they created that font? <laughs> it's like Parallax. <laughs> um, and then you know Super Parallax taunts him. It's like Superman isn't home, and Hal reacts. What did he do to Clark? They fight, and it's like, you know better than you know better than that, Hal. We've taken a few road trips together. Could you ever really tell who was driving? I kind of like that. It's like, I've tried to forget. You want me. You got me. So then we have a couple of, couple of fights, generic fight scenes between uh, Super Parallax and Hal. Uh, not particularly drawn all that well. Um, I do like the fact that he's kind of talking about, you know, Basically, you can, you can you can you can you can try to take me again if you want, but you can't take Hal. He's you know, not the best of us. You know, he's our hope, our strength, our heart. Yeah. You mean Superman? But he said you can't. You said you can't take Hal. Oh, you're right. Hal Hal says you can't that can't, can't take Superman because of that. Thank you. He's the best of us, our strength, our hope, yada yada. It's like I won't let you warp him into something ugly. Um, I wonder what Superman's thinking during all of that. Like yeah. he's getting his ass handed to him and getting punched, but like. Aw, look how he feels about me. <laughs> he likes me. He really, really likes me. <laughs> um, so they continue to fight until Superman, as in Super Parallax, seems to have the upper hand, and we hear him say, "Enough of this, Hal!" And then he, and then he decks, he decks Hal. Then all of a sudden, you know, Hal kind of like regains his consciousness, and we find out that basically, Super uh, Hal was kind of wigging out about all this. Uh, that none, none of this was really actually happening. He was seeing Superman as Parallax, but he really wasn't. And Superman's like, oh, I, uh, I pulled my punch, but I still think I gave you a concussion. <laughs> like, I wanted to hit you hard enough to fuck you up, but not to really damage you long term. Uh, and uh, they're, they're, ta- they're talking, and Hal says, oh, I thought you were trying to fight the Parallax infection. And it's like, oh, so Parallax, so when Olsen's all said and done, Parallax is really trapped inside the ring, huh? And it's like, no, the one, the only thing I am sure about, yeah, right, is that Parallax is gone. It's like, whatever got inside my head, it was something else. And Superman seems concerned, you know, gone, which makes sense. And all of a sudden we get voices in, his, in Hal's head again going, Hal, why won't you help me? And he, Hal kind of like sees this image of the city. Uh, of course, on this panel, it's, it's kind of like, like, goldish orange and then we and then we Hal kind of figures out what's going on it's like Hector Hammond the most dangerous criminal telepath on the planet someone is trying to take him and we see like these little Groot like gremlin things that are it, attaching all these probes and these these two these wires into Hector Hammond it's like please be my hero Hal Jordan help me the end of part one you know <laughs> No matter how they do the story, I never take Hector Hammond seriously. Just because of the way he looks. They really need to update him in some way, shape, or form. Because I just, I can't. I, I, I don't care 
what you do. I don't care how you try and tell the story. He just looks ridiculous, and I just can't take him seriously. Judging him by his looks, that's so sad. <laughs> you know what would be a cool team-up? It would be a cool team-up to have the, the leader and Hector Hammond team-up. You know what would be interesting? Yeah, the last – I feel like when we saw him like as as like a – Ophidian? <laughs> at, well, before that, like an invalid. Like he was – he was in a wheelchair. His head was sort of laid to the side, and drooling. he was drool, drooling and all of that. That kind of made sense because, you know, you're like, his head is too big for his body to control and so on and so forth. So that was made him slightly less ridiculous. But when you see him, like, with full command, and he's like, help me, help me, and he's tied down like this, and his head's big, and his body's as little, it's like, oh, come on. I don't know. It just it, it looks ridiculous to me, but whatever. Uh, that's that's one panel of of a, an entire comic that you just reviewed. So <laughs> back to the rest of it. Damn you, Chad Pokemon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. He how makes some interesting constructs in this. The 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 armored gauntlet things he throws down the weird chain weights yeah that's true things some he, some interesting choices for how to make i mean he makes a rocket that's cool that makes sense but it's like wait what the other things i was like that's kind of strange it's nice it's nice to see too that they're <laughs> doing some things that we haven't seen in a little a, at least a little while like the pocket universe and stuff like that I do like that they're. I do like we that we are getting more and more um, just sort of like procedural stuff, lantern wise, where he's like, "Hey, notify headquarters." You know, he's he's uh, you know, I've hey, I've checked in. I'm here, John. This is what's happening. You know, ring. Go ahead, notify headquarters of what's going on. So I think that's cool. I like the procedural aspects of it that we're not. Because because of the team up, because of the story or whatever, we're not forgetting that. And Hal's here for a reason. Uh, and I like that Hal is updating people. I do like that procedural aspect of this. And speaking of things that we've you know seen the ring do or not do in a while, like with the pocket universe, one thing I forgot to mention on the Superman side of things, when Superman asked that Quardian, you know, what can those thunderbolts do? You know, they can be a weapon or they can be a means of transport. The weaponer said, or the thunderer says, yep. among other things, which kind of leaves the door open for some of the crazy shit that happened in the '60s. So, like, what else can the thunderbolts do, uh, or still do that we've seen them do before? So, since I'm doing that whole uh, Green Lantern read through <laughs> thing, when I get to the <laughs> Silver Age, <laughs> I guess I'll keep an eye out for what uh, the various things the Guardian Thunders can do. With uh, with the thunderbolts. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I was I was disappointed that it, he wasn't actually fighting Superman Parallax. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of I kind of thought that's what we were gonna get, or I kind of, well they or they kind of made it it, it kind of seemed yeah I kind of thought that's what we were gonna be dealing with for a while, although they were or or Superman was gonna have to like maybe not have to but choose to use Parallax for something and then before he 
at some point before he got turned over to Hal. I was I was disappointed that this was all Hector Hammond playing mind games with him. Is it Hector Hammond playing mind games with him, or was Hector Hammond trying to contact Hal, and then the Crolateans figured it out and sort of whammied Hal to keep him occupied? I don't know. I might because why why would he do this though? I mean, why would Hector do this? If he wants Hal to come to him and help him, why would he whammy him in this way? Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, then again, in the next, right, in the next issue, they're they're able to, they're able to manipulate Hector Hammond's brain, right, to do something. Yeah, so, that's why I'm saying I think I think because also the yeah, little... it could have been by by proxy they could have been using him, I suppose. Yeah, I, I guess I guess that does make a does make a little more sense because it didn't because on its own it doesn't make sense why of that's why it threw when i first read the issue it actually threw me off because i had to go back and because first i wasn't necessarily buying that what superman was saying was true that first i wasn't necessarily buying superman's perspective on it that made you know but then i read then i went back and then i then i went back and i looked over a few things and i said yeah i guess it probably was in hal's head but it was just <clears throat> i don't know yeah because at the beginning of it uh, Hector calls out to him and says, please, you have to help me. Uh, you're a hero. And then this battle happens, and you know the entire time it's happening, it's all you never see the Hector Hammond uh, font or whatever. But when he's out of it, uh, the next time you hear Hector, it's obviously like it's, it's bold it, and right. it's bigger. How? Why won't you help me? You know, so he's, you know, he's like, where, he's essentially saying, where are you? Like, I, I called you 20 minutes ago, kind of a thing. So I think, I think that's, that. I think I'm pretty sure that the Krolateans maybe not, didn't know who he was calling out to, but figured out he was sending out something and kind of just sent out a general whammy to whoever was receiving it. I'll buy that. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say about this before we uh, wrap this particular arc on up? No, I think we talked about we talked about enough points. I think during the actual review, so we probably can move on to the <clears throat> conclusion of our Superman how Superman Hal Jordan fear tie-ins. <laughs> All right. So uh, we open uh, in issue number thirty-one. On Space Sector 2812, the planet Krolatea, where some Krolateans are addressing their master engineer and saying that one of their pupa have reached maturity uh, on Earth. Uh, and, you know, dispatch a collection pack, our greatest weapon will finally be reaped. Then bring me the god brain. And then back over on Sector 2814 and Metropolis. Inside Stryker's Island at the Supermax Prison for Superpowered Criminals, the, the Krolateans are saying the pupa is far more impressive than the data told. The Master Engineer will be ecstatic. Uh, Hector's like, stop hurting me. Why are you doing this? Uh, they say you have no power over us. We designed you the key to Krolatean dominance. We will make our enemies see any illusion we wish. Our devices control your abilities. See, we are immune. No one will save you. We use your mind to make so that they cannot see any of us. You belong to Master Engineer now. And he's like, you smile. 
It's like, he's here, and then kaboom, he's here. Let the egghead go. Hal Jordan is here, and there is Hal and Superman. And uh, that's when we get our credits. Robert Venditti, uh, writer, artist, Patrick Zeicher, Zaker, whatever. Zercher. Zercher. Oh, yeah, it's a smaller font uh, on my screen. Colorist, Jason Wright. Letterer, Dave Sharp. Cover, Ethan Van Skyver and uh, Wright. Variant cover by Barry Kitson and Hi-Fi. Assistant editor, Andrew Marino. Editor, Mike Cotton. Somebody we don't care about as the group editor. And uh, Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. By special arrangement from the Jerry Siegel family. Um, the Corlatanes are confused because they can see him. Uh, and uh, Hal's like, well, Hector got in my head and he showed me what you're doing to him and where to find you. Uh, and unfortunately for you, he reached out to me on a day I was hanging out with a Kryptonian. You're effed. <laughs> so he, they take on the Krolataeans. They activate uh, the stuff that they've been doing to Hector and both Hal and Superman go into a sort of dream hallucination state. Uh, we don't see much of Superman's, but we do see Hal's. He's at his brother's home uh, seeing his niece and nephew and Carol is there to greet him as well. Um, and, you know, he kisses Carol, says it's perfect. Everything I want, Carol, uh, my family, you, I could say over the rest of my life, this moment's a dream come true. But my Carol would say, uh, Carol, and then Carol interrupts, this dream Carol interrupts, says, a life like this isn't given to you. You have to go get it. And uh, Hal says, they got you down to the final detail, didn't they? I don't. I know it doesn't mean anything in this mirage, but I could use the practice. I love you, Carol. And then she says, then go get me. And he says, ring. Wherever reality is, you're still on my finger. You still feel my will. So find the boss gremlin with the remote control and knock his <laughs> teeth in. <laughs> so he does that. Uh, uh, the Crotan uh, that's taking on Superman is putting a control device or whatever. And, you know, Superman's dazing out of it. It's like, ma, pa. And then uh, a construct hammer hits the control device. He's out. The God Brain is unleashed. We must run. Uh, not yet. I almost have enough material. He's, you know, trying to get the gene, uh, the gene, uh, gen- genealogy from, uh, from Superman. And Superman chokes him. You know, we surrender. Is it, do you have a mom and dad creature? Do you know what it's like to have those memories toyed with? And uh, Hal tells him to take it easy. Yeah, I know it's a mind scramble, but don't. And then all of the Krolatans' heads explode. <laughs> Uh, and that is because it's Hector. He says, they made me mad. They wanted to control me. Everybody wants to control me. I won't be anyone's plaything anymore. Uh, all I have, uh, is what's pretend I'll never know love or happiness. Not really. And Superman's eyes light up with his heat vision. He's about to unleash. Hector says, I am grotesque. Do you remember how I was, Hal? The expensive suits, the handsome looks. I had such great hair. And then Superman says, a voice telling me to aim for his brain. It's making me. And Hal's like, fight it. And Superman's like, no. And uh, uh, Hal hits uh, Superman in the face with a construct, knocking his aim off and uh, shooting uh, Hector, not in the face, but sort of like in the back of the head slash neck and basically essentially wounding him. And uh, but but not killing him. He says, "Hal Jordan, you're my hero," and he passes out. Um, later on, everything is uh, rebuilt uh, at the facility. 
is he talking? Is this Waller? Are we supposed to think this is Waller? It's the only other person I can think of. Mm, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, uh, but anyways, they're saying you know ba- basically this is a highly secure facility. We're checking. We're going to be helping Hector, making him feel better. You know. There's no way to sex, uh, safely excise all the stuff that the Corlatanes did to them. He'll be monitored, but in the meantime, he's he's down and out. You know, he's unconscious, and uh, he's he he he's got a he's getting enough uh, pentobarbital to put him down a whale. So that should hold him. We hope. Um, and uh, then Superman approaches him. He says, "House says, do you ever think if we if you just squashed a head now and then?" There wouldn't be so many ticking time bombs loose in the world, and they're quiet for a few seconds. And Superman says no, and Hal says me neither. He says I logged a report about what happened here, and the core knows what Sinestro's that Sinestro's in the wind. We'll find him. And Soup says still want to grab a bite. Lois and John would love to see you. He's like next time. There's something. Uh, there's someone I want to see. And then you know, over in Coast City, we see Hal standing outside of a house, Carol's house with a bouquet of flowers. He's, he's talking to himself, trying to hype him up, figure out what he's going to say. Carol, can we talk? Carol, I've missed you. Looking good, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Sigh. You're a mess, Jordan. Screw it. Here goes everything. And he's just about to knock when his ring lights up. Hal, I need you in Sector 1103 ASAP. And he says, I'm not yet finished yet, John. I have a couple hours to... Negative. Evil Star is advancing on the royal capital of the Harvoth system. I'm sending intercept coordinates to your ring now. Move out. And he walks away from the front door and leaves the roses on the ground on the street and flies off into space. Next, Bats Out of Hell, which we covered last time. He could have left, left the flowers at the doorstep, at least. Yeah, I guess. <sighs> what do you think? It was okay. It was. I don't think it was anything special. No, the Crolatanes are becoming more and more of a thing, though. I think that's interesting. They were. Did you watch Young Justice? No. They were a big deal in Young Justice season two, I think. Um. So yeah, it was. There was a. That was kind of cool. I do like how even his. I guess because it's his own mind and he already knows it's not real, how all the other, well, Carol also knows it's not real and reacts that way too. So that's cool. That's true, but maybe some of, maybe some of that could be because it's Hector Hammond making it. And I don't mean like no, trying, okay. I don't mean trying to screw Hal that way. I just mean maybe, maybe that's another, another part of how of Hector Hammond trying to get <clears throat> Hal to snap out of it. Hmm. Trying to exercise a little bit of control, even though he's being forced. To, he can't stop doing the, everything on his own, but maybe he's they're trying to infiltrate it in a certain way. It may not be, but uh, it's, be, it's, it's, a, it's a cooler it's a cooler thing overall if it's just Hal being able to realize that, you know, this, everything's so great, something just isn't right. <laughs> So is Hector now no longer really a villain, but kind of just a Frankenstein's monster? A, a being that feels that he'll never be understood, never be loved, and all he ever is is a monster and just wants it to be ended? 
I don't know if he's always going to want to just... this. Because I feel like that's what they did here. Oh, yeah. They, that's where they, they made him just say, up. like, I want I, I want to die, you know? Yeah, I mean... But he's kind of, I mean, other than maybe having the... Being on suicide watch these days, I mean, for, after, from this point going forward, at least for a while, I just meant that I don't think that that part's going to necessarily stick. Just like we have... Uh, just like when you have, you know, either cyborgs when cyborg Superman just wanted to die, and other characters, you know, things tend to things things tend to change after a while. But I think the idea of him not really being a pure villain—I mean, they've they've kind of done that for a long time with Hector Hammond, really. I mean, he never—I mean, he hasn't been a real—I mean, he hasn't been an out-and-out bad guy for a long time in doing stuff. He had moments, but I mean, he's kind of been—he's kind of been the victim more times than not. I think so. Certainly compared to some of the other guys in Hal's Rogues Gallery that we've seen. I mean, I, I mean, even for, all during the time I think Jeff Johns has was writing him, even from after Rebirth. I don't think Hector Hammond was ever portray, was ever portrayed horribly. You know, as a true, because he was always he was kind of like always a victim. Because right was like evil, it was like evil star and stuff that were screwing around with him or whatever. Right? Wasn't that the first arc? Wasn't that the or was that Black Hand? But was somebody screwing around with him back in back in the beginning of the uh, post rebirth series? Yeah. So I, th- I think that's kind of the way Hector Hammond has has mostly been. He's been he's been kind of a tragic and mani- and that if he's been a bad guy, it's used been doing bad things. Let's say it's usually because he's been manipulated or being driven into it. Or so. Not to say he doesn't have some tendencies in that direction. Clearly, but. <clears throat> I don't see it. I think he's. I don't think he's a pure a pure villain anymore. Okay. All right. Anything else you want to say about this? Um. I thought the art. I thought Hal. Hal looked good when he was drawn. When Hal was being drawn as Hal, not Green Lantern. When Hal was being drawn as Hal, I thought he looked pretty good. I don't think he looked good as Green Lantern, but I think he looked good as Hal. So, yeah, I gotcha. So those. Those pages I thought were were drawn well, that because the the hair on Hal when he was Green Lantern unfortunately goes kind of reminded me of the Billy Tan Hal. Not not on every panel, but on towards the end, like towards the end when Superman when they're having that discussion about squashing the heads, just the way that hair is kind of like flat flat on his head. That kind of what it reminds me of, or reminded me of. All right, uh, we're gonna talk very briefly. About Action Comics number 992. Um, before we do that, though, just to kind of bring everybody briefly up to speed, Mark, you want to tell people what the Oz effect was all about? For those who did not read the Oz effect, basically the, the revelation of who Mr. Oz was, who was who had been around for a while, going back to I think when Johns was still doing stuff before uh, back in the New 52, that basically... Mr. Oz turned out to be Jor-El, who was plucked from Krypton's destruction, more or less like a second away from the point of no return. A little too late not to be damaged, because he was damaged. He, you know, he had some kryptonite. He, had, he lost an eye. He had some kryptonite poisoning and stuff because he had fragments driven into his body. He was a, he was held captive for a while by who we I guess at this point we all assume everything points to being Doctor Manhattan. Uh, he was held captive for a while, basically made to see all of. Earth and all his, basically all his negativity. Then eventually, then eventually he, he 
moved on and was freed and, and moved on to a different role. Um, and he's got that special staff or scepter, more of a staff that enabled him to do certain things, and including collect super. He was collecting basically he was collect, not exclusively is the only reason why, but a lot of a lot of the beings he had been collecting were he was collecting because he wanted to protect Superman. He collected Doomsday. But Mitzpalik, all these, a lot of other characters that he was collecting to, to, because he was afraid that they could be used to, to kill, to kill a son. But he also was determined to show super, show Superman how lost um, mankind was. That mankind was not worth protecting, and how he never would have sent Superman to Earth if he would have realized how bad people were, and that Superman needs to take Lois and John and leave the planet. Not just for that reason, but also because he knows something that's going to come, which, again, we assume relates to Dr. Manhattan. And at the end, we find out of the Oz effect that this is Jor-El, and pretty much everything he's saying is true, but that staff of his, while it eased the pain, it eased the pain of his kryptonite poisoning, it also was kind of like corrupting him and poisoning him on a different level. And that kind of probably drove... uh, Jor-El to do some of the things that he did that he wouldn't have on his own. And Jor-El kind of gets plucked away, again we assume, at this point by Dr. Manhattan. And Superman is determined to find his father and save him, but he's also... There's still a little bit of doubt Superman has whether this was actually his father. As in, maybe... He's trying to reconcile everything he knows, everything he's believed with, everything that was in front of him. And basically he's kind of look looking for an out in a way to say... Maybe this really wasn't my father, or maybe this wasn't. Maybe it's my father, like from a different timeline, something like that. So, basically, that's where that's where the Oz effect essentially essentially left off. So we, uh, you know, he's he's trying to validate Jor-El's claims, Mr. Oz's claims uh, in this in this issue. He's going through a couple of different methods. Uh, and then when he's catching up with Lois uh, on the rooftop of the Daily Planet, he gets a call. Says Superman, uh, the core has the file you requested. It's on Mogo. I'm creating an opening in transliminal space for you now at your position. And essentially, Superman flies over to Mogo, and you know Hal says it's good to see you. I just was, was under happier circumstances. Superman says so do I. Hal, thanks for this. I appreciate it. You're always welcome here. You know that. Um, yeah, I'm sure the files of Tomar Ray will give you some answers. He was the lantern in charge of Sector 2813. Is there anything in particular you need to? And Superman says, Krypton. I need to see the moment Krypton exploded. I need to know that I was the only ship. I, I need to know that only one ship escaped. And Hal turns to Salak and says, Salak, can you? And Salak says, I have it, Jordan, bringing it up. And uh, it's a construct uh, image of Krypton, and Hal says, Superman, this isn't a simulation. It's a recording. This is actually Krypton as it appeared just prior to its destruction. And he's watching it play in kind of slow motion. He sees his little ship fly off the surface. He says, that, that's me. It's my rocket. Hal says, Tomar Ray's recording of the sector uh, has this launch at seconds before the, and then the image fits it out. And Hal says, what? That's strange. And Salak says, there's something wrong with the file. It's jammed, distorted. This, It isn't right. I'll move the fo- footage forward a click. And then Krypton's destroyed already. 
Superman says, no. Salak says, the moment of Krypton's destruction has been corrupted on our files. This is very unusual. If I didn't know better, I'd say it has been tampered with. And Superman says, it's not just the files. Something has tampered with time. Someone has done this. And that's the last part of that particular portion. I thought that was cool. It's it's not, not only a way for Superman to not really get an answer, but it's also another thing that kind of points in the direction of something really powerful has happened because the Green Lantern's own data is, is screwed. <laughs> so that's cool. It is cool. I really like the art on this book. Like if it wasn't super expensive, um, you know, maybe 60, 70 bucks, I'd pay for the page of either of where, Either the page where Superman comes out of the transliminal space and Hal greets him, or the page after that. Either one of those I'd like to have the original page for. Not because there's anything particularly amazing about either one of them, but I do like just, I I like the art on this book. It's really well done. Yes, the, the, I think super, I think I, Obviously, Superman is better drawn or better done than Hal, um, mm-hmm. but I do think, but I agree with you overall. Uh, action, action Comics has been really good. I mean, Action Comics. I don't know how long Jurgens is staying on this book, but as long as he's staying on this book, I'm going to keep reading it because this is this is the best, this is the most enjoyable Superman stuff that I've read probably going back to on a consistent. I mean, there were some things after Reign of the Superman that I liked, because I read Superman for a while afterwards, or some Superman books. But as far as maybe Action Comics itself, that this is probably, at least since, let's say, post-Reign of the Superman, when a lot of the creative teams were still on those some of those respective books, that, that to me, this is like the best Superman stuff that's been, the most in the most interesting. Jurgens gets Superman, so as long, and he's he does such a good job with Action Comics that... I'm less sold on, super, on the actual Superman title. I keep going back and forth. I had kind of passed on a few issues, but the, what, the Imperious Lex or whatever arc I've, I've been reading. But Action Comics is... I've probably enjoyed Action Comics for the most part more than I've been enjoying most of the Green Lantern books since uh, DC Rebirth started. Yeah, and... Uh... It's about to get even better because in order to get answers, Superman resolves r- resolves himself to do one other th- try one other thing. He goes to the watchtower, he climbs aboard the cosmic treadmill, and he goes back in time to Krypton. And just as he does, there's a puff of smoke as he disappears off the cosmic treadmill, and then there's another there's an explosion of light. And wait, Superman, don't! And out of a time bubble pops a man in blue and gold with a blue star on his chest. And a little robot flies above him and says, it it appears, Booster, we have arrived a second too late and Superman has already left for the pass via the time stream. And now the timeline itself is in danger of total collapse. So Booster Gold is part of the next uh, huge story arc uh, that's going to be happening in Action Comics, a booster shot through time, and you know nobody really loves Booster Gold more than Dan Jurgens. <laughs> yeah, so that's 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 gonna be that's gonna be fun for sure. 
So, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because it's it's Superman in the core, I and mean, it's happened in such close proximity to the other issues we covered tonight. It's like, why the hell not? Uh, all right. Anything else you want to talk about tonight before we wrap this on up? Well, the only thing to talk about is as we are as we were, are recording this, we are one night away before the Last Jedi comes out. <laughs> when are you seeing it? Friday afternoon. Okay, yeah, I'm seeing it Sunday night or Sunday after midday. So, so when we cool. record next week and we do our and we, we do Green Lanterns, that will that will also be our that'll be our Last Jedi episode too. And we'll save the Last Jedi talk for after yes. all relevant stuff on Green Lanterns, y'all. So if you haven't seen Last Jedi, uh, by the time next episode comes out, don't worry, there won't be any spoilers at the beginning or middle of that episode. It'll, it'll be after all the Green Lanterns talk. So you're, you're free to listen <laughs> to the beginning slash first half, first two-thirds of that episode when it comes out. Yeah, we'll give we'll give you the warning when the uh, when the spoilers are when the spoilers come out hot and heavy. Though, though we all I mean, it's it's kind of redundant now, which is kind of funny because I mean Chad and I talked about this that even though it took a little longer than I expected by 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 yesterday, uh, you were able if you wanted to you were able to go out and find spoilers for what happened what happens in Last Jedi and. I actually watched the video today, which kind of unf- kind of confirmed some of the spoilers that I read yesterday. So, and for people who want to know what happens ahead of time, you're going to be able to find you're going to find out all over the place. Uh, by Friday night at the latest, there's going to be tons of places to find it. So you, but you, so it's, you'll you'll probably be hard pressed not to end up getting some spoilers by the end of the weekend because idiots post them in their and headlines and stuff. But but at least in our episode, you're going to. know. You already know technically because we're giving you a heads up, but we will, but we will have a you know a break or a, no matter what we do, even if there's not a real commercial break, we'll just make it clear that we're going to be rolling into this next. So if you don't want, if you don't want to listen, to, or if you don't want any spoilers, skip that part of the episode. <laughs> All right, you want to go ahead and close this out? Lanterncast at gmail.com, easiest way to contact us. Uh, website lanterncast.com. Go check out our check out everything we have. We haven't we haven't we've been well we're still recovering from 300 I think so we haven't posted a lot of stuff there besides besides episodes but we'll be kicking that up soon too getting back on the normal flow of things. Uh, Twitter and Facebook uh, hashtag GLcast to locate us on either one of those. Uh, iTunes and Stitcher whichever f- platform you listen to us on please leave us a positive review and last but not least 708 Lantern. Leave us a voicemail and let us know what you think. All right, guys. Next episode, we're talking Green Lanterns, so catch on up. You got it. So we'll we will talk to you soon. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>